But we've been looking at what Jesus said about spirit-led evangelism, how to reach people with the gospel. Not just a few people, but actually how to see towns and areas and neighborhoods and cities transformed. And Jesus sent out his disciples and he gave them instructions. He sent them out several times. Sometimes it's 12, sometimes it's 70, sometimes it's 72. I don't know why 72, but 72. And each time he gave them very similar instructions. And, and as I've been studying this, because I spent weeks in this passage, it really struck me how differently we tried to reach people from the way Jesus told the disciples to reach people. We're impatient, they were patient. We use natural means, they use supernatural means. We lead with our mouths, they led with prayer. Really very different. And so I, I just want to close that in today and, and, and sort of land that on um, the last area that Jesus told us. So in terms of where we've been, we, we've looked at this passage in Luke chapter 10. And um, if you could put that up, and we'll just remind ourselves of it. What Jesus says, in whatever house you enter, so they're going to first say, peace on this house. So the first thing that we do is we pray or we pray blessing, we speak blessing, we speak peace, we go with an attitude of peace, we, 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 we seek to give out peace and love and the tangible blessing of God. And in that, prayer is key. And then the second thing he tells us to do is this. He tells us to go and stay in the house of somebody who, who wants to receive us and to receive their hospitality. This isn't about... It's about a two-way relationship where we listen and we're ready to receive from others and, 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 and not trying to force something on others to get us a point on a scorecard. We genuinely have to be interested in people. And, and, and people can, they can sense it a mile off if we're there just to get them. And, and, and they run. We go because we love like Christ loved. We go because we love like the Father's love. And, and what we're trying to do in all this is give people an accurate representation of what the Father's heart is for them. And the third thing he said is that we meet their felt needs. Now, we can meet them naturally. But the emphasis here is we should be looking for supernatural provision as well. Supernatural healing. Because what we're trying to do and what we're trying to show the world is that there is a superior reality, a superior kingdom that affects this current reality. And all those first three stages are really in this idea of come and see what the kingdom's like. This is what the kingdom's like. And then um, to show people that there is this superior reality that can change the current reality of their lives. And that it can change their lives as well by giving them a purpose to live for and the ability to live that purpose. And, and, and what we're trying to do is show Show people this kingdom, this reality where, 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 where the Father lives. And this is why Jesus then comes on to his last point, and it's this. He says, 
Don't go from house to house. Whatever city you enter, as they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Heal the sick, that's meeting their needs, meeting their felt needs, thereby that's supernatural. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Now, just read that again. Say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Jesus, in that great sermon that he, he preached, called, we call it the Sermon on the Mount or sometimes Sermon on the Hill or Sermon on the Plain, he, he, he preached it more than once. Right at the heart of that sermon, he makes this statement. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you're worrying about will be added to you. What Jesus is doing is he's putting this concept or this reality, this idea of the kingdom of God central to his whole message. And we sometimes try and do that the other way around. In fact, one of the things that the, the, the Holy Spirit is trying to change in us and change in me and change in us as a body is this idea that we have to do everything in order to be able to get on in life. And, and so that, you know, as King was saying, that affects the way we approach offerings, it affects the way we approach uh, our time, it affects our, our attitude to the, the body of Christ, it affects our attitude to the church, because it's almost like we want to get on with things and we want to achieve things, and then we'll tack the kingdom on the end. Or we'll expect the kingdom to bless or God to bless what we are trying to achieve. And, and you know, when, when we do an offering, that's why sometimes people can feel manipulated because we dangle this carrot out or some people, you know, you, you've all been, maybe all of you have been victims of this. You dangle this carrot out that, that if you give this, you'll achieve your goal. And Jesus says it like this. Everything's his. So the kingdom is what we pursue. And as we pursue the kingdom, he's capable and will take care of the rest. It's the other way around. Now, you can get that in words, but it's also, you've got to get in your heart. And Jesus is after your heart, not your words. And so, when we talk about evangelism, we often talk about this idea of good news or the gospel. So the gospel, if I ask you what does the gospel mean, what does it mean? Good news. So you, you, all, you all say good news. And that is true. Now, what I want you to see is this. The gospel is good news. It's not bad news. It's not judgment. It's good news. And we really need to be careful about how we read God's word because often we can read it through a filter that we've um, accumulated over the years. <laughs> and some of what we've accumulated, quite frankly, dates back to medieval times. And we need to read God's word afresh. You see, Jesus, and, and right through the New Testament, and when Paul's writings... Peter's writings, James's writings, they, they call it 
the gospel of Christ. Now, be careful what you read. It's not the gospel about Christ. Now, he's the central figure, and he's the one that, that causes everything to happen, and he's the king, but it's not the gospel about him. It's his gospel. It's the gospel that he spoke. You see, Jesus was preaching his gospel before he ever went to the cross. And it's the gospel Jesus preached is not the gospel about Christ. It's the gospel of Christ. And his, his gospel, what he was telling us and what he came to communicate is that I'm, I'm, going, I'm the king and the kingdom's coming and the kingdom's invading and it's right here now. So the gospel of Christ is the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel he preached. Now let me show you that. Um, let me show you from a few verses. I could show you lots of verses. So let's go to the, the Matthew verses. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. Are we stuck? Pardon? Next one. That's it. So Matthew chapter 4. Jesus went about Galilee teaching in their synagogues, so in their churches, Preaching the gospel of what? The kingdom. Healing all kinds of sickness, demonstrating the kingdom, and all kinds of disease among the people, demonstrating the kingdom. Matthew chapter 9. They just went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease. We go on to Mark chapter 1. It says this. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God here. It's a reality. It's amongst you. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then this last one I find really interesting, Luke chapter 4. This is what Jesus said. He said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities, because they're trying to get him to stay in one place, because it's this purpose I've been sent for. Jesus was sent to demonstrate the kingdom and show us how to be part of the kingdom so it could impact our lives and the lives of others. Are you getting this? Now, what I found really interesting when I started to study this out is this, this concept, this, this gospel of the kingdom of God, and sometimes it's called the gospel of the kingdom of heaven or the gospel of heaven, is mentioned 116 times. That's if you use the New International Version. It's of the Bible, 116 times. Now, what I found really interesting when I was looking at this, and this isn't, you'll see where I'm going with this in a minute, so don't get bothered. But the words born again are mentioned three times and all in one passage. So the kingdom is mentioned 116 times, the word born again is mentioned three. Now, I'm going to explain that in a minute, but my point is this. We're taking part of a story and presenting it as the whole of the story. And that's why our gospel lacks power, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And that's why, we, we, in our impatient wanting to get results, uh, throw back Christianity, we, we've ended up in this position where we're preaching part of the gospel and trying to get full kingdom results with little bits of it. 
and different techniques, all pulled from the four points, but not the full thing. And Jesus is trying to move us on to that. You see, how can I put this? When we use this word evangelism, that's a translation of the word, a Greek word called evangelion. And when you, you look at that evangelion and, and basically bringing the good news, what, what, it, what it, it comes down to is that evangelism is the process of communicating good news. So if we are to engage in evangelism or we say we're an evangelist, or we, we want to reach out to other people, it's got to be the process of communicating good news. Now, just say that to me. Good news. Good news. Okay. Now, there's a lot of good news we could preach. You know, I, let, let's just assume, let's take it, because we live in an age of miracles, let's just assume that Aston Villa won the Premier League next season. <laughs> Obviously not possible this season because we're not in it. But let's assume we do even more than Leicester did and we win the Premier League. Now, that's good news, isn't it? But it's... <laughs> Every miracle is good news. But it's not the gospel. There's a particular type of good news that we're supposed to be communicating. So it's not just any good news. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Are you with me? Okay. Now... It basically, it, it comes down to this. And do you remember when Jesus is, is uh, talking all about, I don't know what, sheepfolds, and I'm, I'm the shepherd and you're the sheep and all those sort of things. He, he was using like real life examples. And one of the, um, let me just remind myself, one of the things he said is this. Jesus therefore said to them, this is uh, John chapter 10, truly I, truly I say to you, so he's emphasizing it. I am the door of the sheep. Some versions will say the gate of the sheep. And it's, it's like this. You, you can't get into anywhere without going through a door. Do you agree? Or, or going through a gate? To enter something, you have to go through something. And this, I just want you to have that idea of a door or a gate. What, what is a door or a gate? You can think of it as like a lump of wood or a lump of metal. But it's an easier way. The way I think of it is as a transition point from one place to another. You go through into something else. Are you with me? So Jesus is saying, I, I am the place where you go through into something else. Now, what we, we can do is we can, we can tack several things together together. Um, and come up with this idea that we always, we always, only the only thing we ever talk about is the gate and the door, and not what's the other side of it. So we we show people where the door is, and tell them that they've got to go through it, but we don't show them and tell them what's on the other side of the door. So we end up preaching the door and not the whole house or the whole temple or the whole sheepfold. And and so you're asking people to buy into something without showing them what they're buying into and without showing them the inheritance. And that's why the only thing you have left in your armory is a cattle prod to get them through the gate called threat. Things will turn out badly for you if you don't go through this door. 
Whereas God is saying, I want you to enter into my kingdom. And we need to know what's in the other side of the door. Now, let me, let me show you this. Let's assume for the moment, when, when we went to look at the house that we now live in, the, we, we drove down the drive, um, ready to view the house, and we went to the front door. Now, the builder who developed our house put on a really handmade, quite impressive wooden door with a, a big knocker and all the rest of it. And I remember that, that when we went there thinking, wow, that's quite a door. And, and I, I was impressed by the door. I was already sold on what was in there because I liked the door. Now, imagine if then I'd just got back in my car and gone away and made an offer for the whole house on the basis of the door. Or, alternatively, I'm still stood there eight years later looking at the door, and I've never gone into the house even though I bought it. What's the effect? I miss out. You know, there's a whole house which, which, which we love that we never would have seen because we were only looking at the door. That's not to devalue the door. It's just to say there is a transition that Jesus wants us to make from one kingdom to another. And there's stuff in that kingdom that he wants to give us access to because he's a good God. And, and that's, that's our inheritance. Are you, are you with me? Okay. Let me uh, talk a little bit about, about this idea of the door. So the, the, the thing is, there's two aspects to the message of the kingdom. There's how you get in and what it means to be in and what you do with it. And, and so we don't want to just talk about the getting in. In some ways, we want to demonstrate what's there first and then tell people how they can get through the door. That's how Jesus was telling people to evangelize. So how does Jesus describe it? He describes it like this in, in Matthew chapter 7. He said, um, enter by the narrow, there's this concept again, this transition point, gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. I just want to, just before I go on to something else, I just want to show you this. Because I have heard lots of bad sermons on this verse. This is talking about the entry point of how you get into the kingdom. And Jesus is saying there's one way of getting into the kingdom, and it's a really narrow way, and I'm the gate. There's lots of things going on that will try to lead you away from my kingdom. They're attractive. They're over there. They're shouting out to you. They're, they're offering you money. They're offering you good looks. They're offering you the latest skin cream and the best outfits and the Vogue magazine. And they're offering you all sorts of things. And they're offering you friends. And they're offering you approval. And they're offering you all acceptance and everything else to try and get you to miss the fact that somewhere behind a few leaves there's a little door that leads to the whole kingdom it's a bit like you know like on indiana jones or something like that they, they have to find the secret passage and they find the secret passage and all of a sudden they're in this 40 mile high cavern full of gold it's that sort of thing you know they've gone down this little greasy passage full of snakes and they get out the other side and there's this el dorado or whatever it is and that's the, that's the concept. There's a little tiny door, that's how we get in, but there's a massive 
incredible kingdom that we become part of. And Jesus, he said, you've got to find the narrow way. Now, why, why do I say that? Because I want to show you that's talking about an entry point to the kingdom. Sadly, we can read it wrong and make it legalistic, that verse, that you've got to stick to these little guidelines and you've got to follow these rules and follow these practices and follow this religion and do what I do, say what I do, be pleasing at all times. You, you've got to think of yourself as a terrible sinner all the time and be miserable and not enjoy yourself because it's narrow. No, the gate is narrow. There's one way in and there's lots of ways into everything else. There's one way in, but one year in there, it's a wide expanse called the kingdom. Are you with me? I'm doing this for emphasis. Okay, don't, don't take it too far. I mean, I'm not saying you should all be like crazy sinners. You're meant to be holy, guys. But you get holy through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, not through following rules. And not through somebody else telling you how bad you are. You get holy because God convicts you and shows you how good you can be. You see his holiness and you want it. So somebody sees Jesus' his holiness. Have you, have you ever noticed how people are attracted to holiness in Jesus? <laughs> the, 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 the most perfect person that ever walked the planet, people wanted to hang around with him. Whenever we talk about holiness, it turns everybody off. We must have a wrong concept somewhere. Because with Jesus, it turned everybody on. So this guy comes to me in the middle of the night in, in John chapter 3 called Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes and he says, uh, as a man of the Pharisees, so he's a religious guy. But he's a religious guy that's starting to have a heart change. And he's a ruler of the Jews, so he's a very important religious guy. And he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God's with him. Let's go back to our pattern. He's been, he's been drawn to Jesus and he asks this question, how, how is it all this happening? He's been through steps one to three. He's been listening to Jesus' teaching because he comments on it. He's been discussing Jesus' teaching with other people. He's had exposure in some way of relationship, rather either directly or through others. Um, he's drawn to Jesus. That there's that peace resting on him. And he's seen the miracles. He's seen the kingdom demonstrate. He's coming to Jesus and saying, okay, well, what, what's this mean for me? Now, it's really interesting to see what Jesus' reaction is to, to that because we might react a bit differently. But this is what I said. Jesus answered said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless he's one, he's born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. See that, that? This is where the words born again come in. Without being born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. The goal is the kingdom of God. The door is being born again. Are you with me? So Jesus puts this kingdom idea on the agenda. Now, I want you to see, because this is the same passage, and by familiarity, we forget it's the same conversation. I want you to go on just to verse 16. Because Jesus starts to explain to him what this kingdom's about. 
because Nicodemus, being a Pharisee and a ruler, is absolved by law. He's, a, he, he's the one who brings about judgment on people's lives, and he teaches them law. And Jesus says, this kingdom has a certain quality. And this is how Jesus defines the quality of the kingdom he's inviting Nicodemus into. We miss it because we're familiar with this verse. So familiar that we could quote it. But it's actually part of the conversation. And he says it. Now, this is what it's about, Nicodemus. God so loved the world that he sent me, stood in front of you right now, Nicodemus, that whoever believes in me isn't going to perish, but go to eternal life. So the ground shifted. It's not what you're teaching them, Nicodemus. It's me. I'm the narrow way in. For God didn't send me into the world to condemn or judge. But he sent me to save. So what happens if our evangelism method starts with judgment? the wrong way around we've missed the heart of the father in sending the son and our job is to demonstrate the heart of the father so that people can be drawn to him are you with me it's not that this is irrelevant Christ is the centre of everything because what is inside the gate what's inside the door there's a kingdom and this is, what, this, is, this is what we should be talking about as well. You know, the kingdom. And it has a king. And he's called Jesus. He's not dying and bleeding on a cross anymore. He's a king who's won a victory. And he wants us to share in his victory. He's a king. He's king of kings, lord of lords. All authority, all power, all wisdom are given to him on earth and under the earth and in the heavens. He's king of kings. He, he's, he's the man. So inside the door, there's a kingdom where he is king. Jesus is king, but he is not our inheritance. The kingdom is our inheritance because it delights him to give us the kingdom. We are his inheritance for his victory. We are his reward. But he isn't our inheritance. He is the firstborn who delights in giving us the kingdom. The kingdom is our inheritance. Now, what does that mean? Now, this is a massive subject, so you're not going to get it all this morning. And this is quite a teaching session, okay? Are you, are you still with me? And I'm, going to try, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. Um, How can I do this? <laughs> One of the ways we can see God's purpose for everything is looking at what he did right at the beginning. And right at the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth and all the trees and plants and animals and all that sort of stuff. And then he created man. And God rules over everything. But he said to Adam, 
I'm giving you dominion on the earth. I'm giving, so be fruitful, subdue the earth, be fruitful, multiply, go, go about the business of ruling and exercising that authority I've given you. Now, what happens is Adam and Eve fall for this line that God's holding back from them. And they decide to... Um, follow the lie and in following the lie and becoming obedient to that lie they act on it they eat the fruit of good and evil and all the rest of it but the point for this is they give they, they, they take the authority that they have and they submit that authority to Satan the enemy and in so doing, it becomes his authority because it is submitted to him. And so he acquired dominion. He acquired authority on the earth. And Jesus, do you remember it says the God of this world? Who's the God of this world? Satan. Jesus, in defeating Satan at the cross, takes back that authority. He says that the keys of the kingdom be given to, to me, all authority on earth and under the earth and all the rest of it that I've already said are now mine. Therefore, what does he do with it? He goes, therefore, you go as my representatives under my authority again. There's a king with a kingdom. And Jesus has put us back in that place of the kingdom. And so he wants us to behave like Adam would have done in the first place. Knowing we have that authority and knowing we have a king who has won a victory over everything that is complete. Are you, are you still with me? That's a big concept. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about the kingdom. So what, what's our inheritance in this? What's the other side of this gate? Well, the other side of this gate is an inheritance that is, is a kingdom of power. It's a kingdom of provision. There's no shortages in this kingdom. There's no, no famines. There's, there's no floods. There's no... No earthquakes, there's, there's provision. There's health. There's an impartation of courage to overcome challenges. There's strength. There's authority. There's the strength to stand when things are against you. And when things look like they're not going right, there's a strength to stand knowing the kingdom wins, ultimately. And... There's relationships with God. There's freedom. We've talked, you know, God demonstrated his freedom this morning. There's joy. Joy in the Holy Ghost. There's joy. You know, there's, there's life. There's, um, I don't know, I could talk for hours, couldn't I, about all the good stuff that's in the kingdom. And that's what we ought to be doing. Do, do you see? Because that's where we live. That's ours. And... Ultimately, that's going to become an eternal reality that is our home. But for the moment, what is happening is that that eternal reality, that superior reality in which we have entered into, is now destined to be demonstrated on the earth by those who are ambassadors or representatives of the kingdom. That's us. 
And so um, it's an eternal reality that we enter into, but it's also a present reality that we live from because we're in it. The world isn't in it, but we're in it. And we take it wherever we go. The question is what we do with it. Now, let me show you that. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, I think uh, verse 13. Is it? Yep. says this. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Some translations say the kingdom of darkness. And transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Do you see what's happened? We've been taken out of one kingdom and put in another. That is our status now. Now, it couldn't have happened in a better week because this week was transfer deadline week. And we all get very excited about who's going to which football club. Well, maybe you don't, girls. <laughs> and some guys. But you should do. Because you could absorb all your time looking at who's gone from where and to who and how much it costs. But the point is this, that there is a... That who, sh who should I, I pick as an example? Let's pick David Louise. Because... Why Chelsea bought him, I don't know. But anyway, so David Louise, this time last week, was player registered with uh, Paris Saint-Germain. They had legal rights to him to play for him and them alone, and they had to do what he said, play on the pitch when they told him to, and follow what the coach said to him. But he has been transferred out of the kingdom of Paris Saint-Germain into the kingdom of Chelsea. And they now have the legal right for him to play for them. So he's going to play to, for them now to the best of his ability as opposed to playing against them if they'd been playing Paris Saint-Germain. So what's the point? That's what's happened to us. We've been transferred out of any obligation or rights of the enemy over our lives and we now permanently in the kingdom of the son of his love. Yeah. Permanently in the kingdom of the son. No, the enemy has no rights over my life. He's got, he's got no claim. He, he can't, he can't um, tell me what to do. I belong to Jesus. Yeah. I chose Jesus. He chose me. Permanent. And so... I've gone in through the gate and I'm now in the kingdom. I'm a citizen of that kingdom. I'm an ambassador of that kingdom. I'm a representative of that kingdom. Now, what that means is this. I, I don't know if you can get your head around this, but I, I exist. Now, this, this is the big one because this is not how we think. And I, I'm going to now, but over the next few weeks, I'm going to ask you to make this leap to get here. I am now a citizen of two kingdoms. Now, what that means is that, although I can't see it, the reality is I live in two realities. I live in the reality here, and I also live in the reality called the kingdom of God, the superior reality where the, 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 there is power, there is dominion, and Christ rules. And so... The, the trick that we're trying to do when, when we're trying to be um, children of God, but also to reach people, is we, we want to operate from the superior reality in which we live. Now, what does that mean in practice? Well, in some ways it means demonstrating the supernatural, but at a more, maybe more regular level, 
a more frequent level, it means taking the wisdom of the kingdom of God and demonstrating that wisdom in our everyday lives on earth until people see that there is a wisdom beyond what was natural. So we can do that in our workplaces. So in our workplaces, we're not operating from a natural wisdom. We need to start operating from a throne room wisdom that has better plans of how to get customers in, how to collect debts, and how to grow our businesses. And that might not concern you, but, but you are able to give wisdom to your boss who, right now, might be struggling, tearing his hair out, and ready to slit his wrist because everything's gone down the pan in his department. And there's wisdom in heaven when we pray. And so we operate from this superior reality. That's the kingdom. Now, what does that mean when we get here? Okay. This is where I'm going to sort of wrap it all up. Because this is just too big a concept to talk about in one morning. But, so I'm trying to give you an overview. But the, we... we what we're trying to do and where we need to go is to get ourselves in a place where we are living from the kingdom as ambassadors for the kingdom. Because that is where the power comes to evangelize this city and reach this city. The gospel of the kingdom of God. You are that gospel of the kingdom of God. And so it needs to begin to show, and to do that, we need to learn to live there. So, what would it mean to live there? Let's go back to that concept of gate. So we've gone in, we've got the inheritance. We are now the gate by which the kingdom enters earth because we live in the two realities we are the gate by which the kingdom moves from heaven to earth let me say that again because we live in two realities we are now the gatekeepers and therefore we are the transition point by which heaven comes to earth you with me Mark explains that. Well, I'll do a little bit now, um, but we've got, we'll keep going. The thing about teaching is we can never exhaust God because he's so much bigger than our little pea brains. So I could, I've got weeks. <laughs> You've got weeks to think about this. Let me say this. How do I know that's right? You have declared it and said it over your life for most of the life you have lived. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen? We are told by Jesus to pray for the kingdom to come on earth as in heaven. Till earth looks like heaven. 
Our destiny is not to claw our way over the finishing line to get to heaven. Our destiny is to bring heaven to earth. And, and he tells us to pray that in faith. And, and, and he'll give us the wisdom about how that will happen. And he'll give us the power and authority to do it because that's where we live. We are the gatekeepers between heaven and earth now. It was Jesus. It's now us. How cool is that? On earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. And we just like, I'd repeated that for decades and never even thought anything about it. It's just something I learned. Let me show you this. Now, I have to say, you can get some interesting translations of this verse, and therefore you can get a lot of confusion around this verse. I've looked at it for, I don't know, years and years. I believe that this is the right translation. This is the translation that you find in most, well, nearly all literal versions. So literal versions are where we take the Greek and we translate it straight. There are a lot of versions of uh, the Bible that uh, start from the idea of what do I think this means and let's translate the words based on what I think it means. Literal versions just tell you what the words are. This is from the NASB. No, you American Standard Bible, that's one of the literal translations. And this is what it says. Um, it's Matthew chapter 16. So Peter's just realized that Jesus, by revelation direct from God, Peter's realized that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the king that's coming, that's been promised. This is what Jesus said. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades won't prevail against it. Now, listen, look at this. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You're now the gate. You've got the keys to the door. You've got the keys to how it works. Remember, Jesus spent a lot of his time teaching his disciples how the kingdom of heaven worked. Didn't he? Yeah? How does this work? Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Our task is to find out what has been bound in heaven and bind it here. So on earth as it is in heaven. Our task is to find out what is free to function in heaven and release it here, on earth as it is in heaven. Do you get it? Do you get it? We've got the keys. So, because we are, we got, we make, when we make this mindset shift that we live in this kingdom called, uh, called heaven, the kingdom of God, then we can say, God, show me what is bound there, what doesn't exist in heaven, and I'll carry that as your ambassador and start making sure it doesn't exist on earth. Because our purpose is transformation. Of the bringing of the kingdom. And I'll find out what's loosed on heaven and I'll lose freedom and I'll lose joy and I'll lose life and I'll lose healing and I'll, I'll lose provision and I'll, I'll lose um, setting the captives free. Do you see what the difference is? And I'll release, I'll release joy and I'll release worship and I'll release prayer and I'll release, um, I don't know, whatever. Anything, anything, anything that's good. Yeah. And that's how it works. We are the gatekeepers with the keys. So what are we doing? We're showing people how the keys work 
and then telling them this is the kingdom you go in through the gate the gate is Jesus is the only way in because there is everything you need and there is a purpose for your life see I, I suppose in a little um, mini way of looking at it when we uh, deliver somebody who's demonically oppressed so I'll, I'll use an example when we went and did the uh, mission to Uganda about 18 months ago or whatever uh, there's a session that I, in which I talked about the authority of God and at the end of that um, this lady started to manifest demonically and then it kicked off all over the room didn't it Nelson like, there was people throwing themselves all over the place and running and smashing themselves into walls and it was quite exciting <laughs> so what do you do you, you get so I'm taking an extreme example okay and by the way if that happens here this morning I'd be surprised why would I be surprised because I, I know you all <laughs> okay I'm not but if it did happen here this morning we deal with it why because what we're doing is we are binding what is already bound in heaven the enemy has no authority there so you bind him which is all you need to do to get somebody set free you bind the enemy you tell him where to go to and you release life and freedom and the holy spirit that's how you deliver somebody in a nutshell i could teach for weeks on it but that's how you do it in a nutshell and all it is is another form of healing Jesus often doesn't make a distinction between demonic oppression and sickness in some areas. All, all that deliverance is, is another form of healing from, from oppression. It's just an act of the enemy, and it doesn't have a place here on earth. Because the kingdom is here. The kingdom is filling this room right now. You see, the kingdom, this superior reality... And our mission is the same as Jesus had, which is to take back what was stolen and give the goodness of the kingdom away. And do you know what the exciting thing is? That if we'll do that, it can't be stopped. I'll show you. first part on this rock of the revelation of who I am I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it now I, I and I'm finishing with this but several times over my Christian walk I've heard people say oh we're under attack as a church gates of Hades are coming against us we need to raise up a standard against it all that sort of stuff have you seen a gate attack anybody lately <laughs> I mean seriously what's the point when the kingdom of heaven comes it has the power and authority to walk through any gate because Jesus has all authority on earth and in heaven and under the earth. So we have every authority. 
Therefore, everything the enemy puts up to stop us bringing about the kingdom cannot be stopped because those gates cannot stand or prevail against the kingdom. So we bring out, we are the gate of the kingdom. We exercise, we bring out from our inheritance and that wisdom of God and that authority, and we storm the enemy's kingdom to take back everything he has stolen so that it is on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? So our kingdom wins. That's good news. Our kingdom can't be stopped. That's good news, isn't it? Sense of understand. Nia, can you come back up? You know, there's so much good news. Why are we messing around trying to give people bad news? Why would you want to stay stuck in your sin when you can have the kingdom demonstrated in your life and demonstrated in other people's lives? Why would you want that? Wouldn't you want this? Wouldn't you want a king who wants the, your good, your benefit, your life, and, and he isn't just prepared to sit there and rule for, from a throne and tell you what to do. He rules from a throne and gives all his authority to you and says, go on, kids. You're up here with me now. You sit next to me. Let's, let's start doing some ruling of our own, guys. 